So, Mike, we have some very important follow-up to start the show. Uh, listener uh, Thomas Brock wrote in and shared with me a very old but hilarious clip from The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, which will give you the age of this. This apparently was several years ago, since John hasn't hosted in several years. Um, but this was a discussion about a pizza as you know, discussed by a lifelong New Yorker, which is Jon Stewart, who, by the way, many people, well, if, if anyone in the world, any celebrity was going to be my body double, despite the fact I'm like a foot taller than Jon Stewart, in terms of face alone, I have not irregularly heard that I look like Jon Stewart, although hopefully younger and less gray. But anyway, uh, this is a very delightful 13-minute uh, clip uh, about pizza and deep dish pizza and i thought it was quite funny and i don't know if you have the chance to watch it but listeners if you have 13 minutes to kill it is it is delightful and i encourage you to give it a shot i wanted to but this will tie into a topic later on but when i go to any clip on comedy central it just says sorry about that this video is not available from your location ah that's terrible i will I, i i will see if i can acquire a copy for you and send it to you it is not i mean it's not that big a deal but it is it is enjoyable and i think you'd you'd laugh about it so so a comedy central exists in this con- we're going to talk about all of this later on in the episode we have like a whole thing about like region locking that we're going to talk about but we both had pretty big week uh last week kind of you the tail end of the week me the beginning of the week we find senpai finally noticed us and uh we were we were both given interviews on our respective shows atp and upgrade mm-hmm. uh with various apple personnel you had phil schiller in an incredible uh opening segment to your show which i enjoyed immensely some fantastic stories in there um as well as talking about wwdc and on upgrade we had uh colleen novielli who is the iMac product manager, um, conduct an interview with Jason in an embargoed episode with information about new iMacs. Yeah, which was extremely cool. Big old week. Yeah, big week. Huge week. Mm. Uh, yeah, this was this was something that uh, I, I was really excited for both of us. And I thought that it, the Jason's interview was tremendous, and I was really happy that Upgrade got the the nod for that. Um, obviously I quite enjoyed and was very lucky to have had the chance to interview, uh, Phil Schiller, who was a super nice guy. I think a career highlight for me, uh, was probably getting absolutely dunked on by Phil with regard to car related things. Cause I like to think I know a bit about cars and, oh no, no, no. Oh no. That is a man who knows a little bit about cars. And yeah, that was kind of hilarious. Like, what was your favorite car? It's like, oh, let me tell you 20 esoteric models of cars you've <laughs> exactly. never heard of. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> He's just like, oh, he's probably going to save Harari or something. And he's like, oh, in 1964, oh, there was a variant version of the Aston Martin Deep. You know, like it's like he just goes off on this. It's kind of incredible. That was it was quite good. I I, I was amused, to say the least. And, and again, Colleen's interview was great. I like that it was an unknown name in Colleen. Like, I don't think really mm-hmm. anyone had heard of her before. And she did a great job. And of course, unsurprisingly, Jason did a great job. I am quite confident you would have as well if you were there for the interview. That one was done in person. What we did was over Skype. Um, but yeah, it was both of them were really great. I think that they're, I, I don't really want to speak for you, but I think that they are career achievements for both of us. And I think mm-hmm. that that's super exciting. Uh, I don't know if it'll ever happen again. I really, truly don't. I'm not just trying to be coy. Like it may be that we will never get another Apple person on ATP. That That's quite possible. And in fact, sitting here now, that's what I expect. But you never know. And uh, same same could be for upgrade as well. But but it was 
it was extremely rewarding and extremely cool to get that that special perk for both of us. Um, and, and coincidentally, it was the same week, wasn't it? Or within a week of each other? Um, we were Tuesday. You were like Thursday or Friday. Yeah. So it, I, I, I'm really proud of both of us and, and our co-hosts. And, and I'm really, really excited about that. Yeah, I like that they happened. So I don't think that there was any... Um, I think it was merely coincidence that these things yeah. mm-hmm. kind of just came together at the same time. Because like your conversation with Phil and our conversation with Colleen were about two completely different things. Yep. Um, and so I, I just think it was just like coincidence based upon the fact that Apple had a busy like 10 days, mm-hmm. you know, um, that we just ended up being able to be in that position. I mean, like I will say that now, like as is most things, now I've had like a taste of it. I, I want more, oh, like, yes. more than I did before. Oh, yes. Um, and this is a thing that like I remind myself of a lot and I talk to a lot of my friends about this kind of stuff when when they're in uh, frustrated situations like you always want what you can't have like and even though you end up getting something and so this is a thing for you with Apple events now I'm sure you went mm-hmm. once and that makes it worse because now you've had a taste of it but you don't because this is very normal like you don't sit and like reflect on what you being given the opportunity that you had or the things that you have, you're more likely to think about the more that you want. Yep, yep, that's exactly right. That is the human experience. Mm-hmm. But it's worth remembering in some times of frustration. Yep, but uh, we are both, all of us and our co-hosts are extremely thankful and uh, really, really lucky. And, uh, and I'm really happy that we had that opportunity. Uh, speaking of opportunities, you went to Romania. How many times did you have to visit what I would say the hospital or to you? How many times did you have to visit hospital while you were there? So I want to just, you know, add a little context and char- correct characterization of my experiences <laughs> with Romania. It's just been over time. It's just been difficult. I've discovered allergies that I didn't know I had, like to cats and stuff. And when we were there, if you remember, if you're a long time listener, when I was there over the holiday season, uh, I got some kind of bug of some description, which basically made, forced me to bed for the entire Christmas season. Um, and this year we took great like pains to try and make sure that things were going to work out well for me. And it was easily like the best trip kind of mo- that I've had. And there was a bunch of reasons for that. Like we would just be in a little bit more conscious with food stuff and, uh, we were in Adina's hometown. So we, sometimes we go to her hometown. Sometimes we go to Bucharest, which is the capital city. Like it depends on what we're going for. Um, and so this time was was to Adina's hometown. And we stayed in a hotel there, which I'd never done before, which was great because it allowed me to be able to go away to work. Like there was all the plan was always that I would be recording Upgrade and Connected in Romania. Then it just turned out that I was lucky because all of the stuff around our special iMac episode all had to occur while I was there. <laughs> so I'm very pleased that we hadn't pre-recorded something and had to waste it, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so then kind of like having that combination of like, well, now we have a hotel room rather than staying at Adina's parents. And also like that meant I could go away and do work, which also meant that I didn't have to cut the trip any shorter than it than it really deserved or needed to be because it's like well i have a i have work that i need to do um all of that combination kind of led to it being a really successful trip we had like a uh, it was funny we had like this big meal uh which was our kind of uh sorry you couldn't make it to the wedding here we are <laughs> kind of meal right for some some like uh friends and family 
And that was just like, it was, I'm not, I think we were in this restaurant for like five or six hours. And I've just spent most of the time just, just quiet, just like not really speaking <laughs> to anyone, you know, just like smiling and nodding, you know, shaking hands. And, you know, it was, it was just kind of, it was like a, it was really it reminded me of like when I first used to go there. Cause now like I've kind of, everyone's kind of got into a groove and, and it doesn't feel strange. Uh, but this was like, it was a little bit more intense than usual, but I did notice something different about myself now. Like, so one of the things that's changed from when we first used to go, uh, well, one is Adina's mom's learned a bunch of English, which is helpful That's for tremendous. a lot of basic transactional things between the two of us. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm picking up what I, what I'm picking up, which is not a lot, but so she's doing a much better job than I am. Um, so that's useful for certain situ- for a lot of situations. But when there, you know, when when there are conversations going on in Adina's family and I'm there, it used to be that like Adina would like translate everything for me. But we do a lot less of that now, um, unless really it's a conversation that involves me in some way. So, you know, I'll spend time, I'm kind of just like hanging out. Maybe there's a TV on and I'm watching the TV or I'm like hanging out on my phone or whatever when people are chatting. And everyone's kind of cool with that. Everyone understands like I'm not being rude, but like no one's speaking to me you know like it's just like i'm kind of just like there but what's happened is i realize that when i'm on these trips if people then start speaking english i'm not listening <laughs> right because my brain is not attempting to understand language so like adina will ask me a question and i'm just like i can hear her but i'm not processing anything right and then she kind of has to nudge me or remind me. Or like sometimes like people will be speaking in in English, like maybe it's like uh, Adina and uh, her, their sister, her sister-in-law and they're having a conversation in English because I'm in the room, but I'm not recognizing it until like halfway through. I'm like, oh, they're speaking in English. Oh, wait, I can, I can participate so like here. <laughs> totally wasted for them because they do it very kindly, you know, because it's like, oh, they will speak in English so... I mean, it's, it's made way easier for them not to, but they'll speak in English so, like, I can be involved. Right. But it's just funny where, like, then my brain just makes no attempt to try and understand, which is a really fascinating thing, really. Yeah, it's funny how you can just tune that all out. And mm-hmm. I've certainly been in situations where I'm tuning out the stuff around me for sometimes good reasons, sometimes bad. And then, you know, somebody, you know, Aaron will be like, hey, Casey, 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 Casey. Yeah. Oh, huh? Oh, sorry. Hi, how's it going? What well, did you say? That's just because you're not listening. It's not going <laughs> hey, to do exactly. with different languages. You no, know, exactly. But spoken. that's my point: is that even with your own language, you can filter it all out. Much less, you know, mm-hmm. with a foreign language. Yeah. So this trip was a successful one, um, and uh, you know, it's good when being able to like find a groove like that is useful because then it makes like less anxiety for the next time. Like, yep. I was well, I was really trying hard on this trip because I wanted to make it as good as it could be, but I was concerned about it. Because it like the last one was was a disaster for for everybody involved really, and I didn't want that to happen again. Um, so uh, yeah, I was I was really pleased that we were able to to make it work for everybody this time. Yeah, good. That's excellent. Yeah. So that was my trip. Well, I'm very pleased. And about how many days was it? Like a week. We were there for about a week. Yeah. Okay. That's a long time, but that's that's awesome. It's it's nice to be able to spend. A while away from home and from most work, uh, even if it is not like a traditional vacation in the sense that you're not going to like, you know, somewhere, f- well, foreign in the sense that like unusual, you know, you're still going to, to somebody's home or, or you know, spending a lot of time in somebody's home, but it's still nice to have that break. So do you feel mm-hmm. refreshed afterwards? 
Yeah, as much as I do for any trip. It wasn't like a... It, you know, it didn't really feel like we weren't on a beach. Yeah, like, It exactly. didn't really feel like mm-hmm. a relaxing holiday. It was like, we're going to a city. There's a bunch of things we're going to do. I was still working, right? Like, it didn't feel like sure. a vacation. It sure. was like a trip like most of my trips are, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Still, though, I'm glad you had a decent time. And I'm glad you weren't sick. Me too. <laughs> what else is awesome? This episode brought to you by Warby Parker. Quality eyewear at a fraction of the usual price. And Warby Parker was founded by four friends, and they allow you to easily buy glasses online. And if you're thinking buying glasses on the internet might be difficult, Warby Parker makes it so easy with their free home try-on program. You order five pairs of glasses and try them on for five days with no obligation to buy. Shipping is also free, and they include a prepaid return shipping label as well, so it's no hassle to you. You can go to warbyparker.com slash analog, and you can and order your free home try-on today. Warby Parker glasses start at $95, and that includes prescription lenses that all have anti-glare and anti-scratch coatings. Plus, they do blue light filtering lenses as well now if you want them, so you don't have to worry about blue light from your screens disturbing your sleep. Like This is a thing that I've seen. They also do like a bunch of different vision options and stuff. They have like really like fancy lens stuff. Now, Casey, I understand that you uh, recently got yourself a home try-on and some new Warby Parker frames. Yes. Now, to be clear, I got sunglasses because my eyes are so bad that I cannot wear glasses. Like, that has nothing to do with Warby not being sufficient. It's just glasses in general. Any glasses are not sufficient. And uh, so I got sunglasses, and I did a home try-on. And, you know, this is the second time I think I've done a home try-on. I did it once uh, several years ago, and then I did it again this time uh, because the frames that I had had previously, my Warby frames that I was using previously, um, they, they don't make those anymore. So I decided, let me try some new options. And the new options were also great. And what's really awesome is you get the, the home try on box. You can try them all on. You can take pictures. You can look in the mirror. You can ask your, your partner. And then you can decide that, yes, I would like one of the five. Or if you so choose, you can decide, no, I don't want any of them. And I found a, uh, a set of frames that I really like. And then, you know, something like a week later, the, uh, the real sunglasses came and I, and I love these things. Uh, they're, they're really great. They come with a nice protective case. Uh, you know, I, I love Warby. I really honestly do. Um, they can pay me to talk about the experience, but they can't pay me to say I love them. And I, I really do love Warby's. I, I really think they're good looking glasses that are sturdy and that don't cost a lot of money. And the whole experience is just really delightful. So I, I genuinely recommend it. Listeners of this show can go to warbyparker.com slash analog and order a free home try-on kit today. Once you've done that, go check out the Warby Parker app. They've built an awesome home try-on companion, which allows you to create a quick video of you wearing all the frames so you can share with a family and friends so they can help you choose. And if you have an iPhone 10, you can use their brand new Find Your Fit feature, which is incredible. It uses the True Depth camera to measure your key facial features. Then Warby Parker will recommend to you around 12 frames that will best fit your face. The process is seamless it takes only a few seconds and you can even see what the glasses look like on your face using ar it's wild it's time to upgrade your glasses experience go to warbyparker.com analog to order your free home try-ons today thank you so much to warby parker for their support of this show excellent now i have a question that's going to sna- sound snarky and i really truly don't mean it that way and mm-hmm. and this is the sort of thing I would make fun of you for, but I, I'm really curious about this. So as we record, it was just yesterday that Apple had their big video event where they talked about Apple TV Plus and Apple News Plus, I think, and uh, all the other you know media related stuff. And it got me thinking about 
what it's like not to live in America when it comes to the release of new things. So uh, if I understand right, and we'll get to this, that the video stuff will be available pretty much everywhere or as reasonably close to everywhere as can be. Uh, on day one apple tv plus will be but like the functionality the other functionality in apple tv like apple tv channels it still seems a little bit unclear at this point yeah and the apple card the credit card appears to be i believe us apple only. card is us only yep. um yeah and because that's because one of the one, one of the reasons as well as needing a credit card partner apple uh pay cash or apple cash is is still not available here um so yeah, there's like a bunch of underpinning stuff that that they need to put into place. Plus, Apple News isn't available until later in the year. Mm. Yeah, Apple mm-hmm. News Plus. Right. So this got me thinking. You know, what is this? What is this like for Mike? We've talked about this a little bit in the past, but I wanted to kind of you know open this back up. I guess uh, open this wound one more time. Sorry, and uh, and talk about it because it's fresh in my mind. And and it got me thinking. You know, as an American, what is it that I didn't have that I really really wanted? And I'm sure there are other things, but the only thing I could think of that I'm still grumpy about years later is Spotify, because mm. I remember Spotify was like legendary for being the coolest thing in the world. And this was the way I remember it anyway, maybe this isn't factual, but the way I remember it is that they were the first ones to really do music streaming properly. Now, maybe there were other ones that predated them, like RDO might have been the same idea, newer, and or uh, I'm sorry, older. But the first one that I was really familiar with and that a lot of my foreign friends seemed to use was Spotify. And I was waiting for the moment in which I could give them my money and start using Spotify. And I th- must have been a subscriber of Spotify within the first week, if not day, that they arrived in America. But that was at least a year or two after you know the, the EU seemed to have it. And I'm still grumpy about how long I had to wait in order to get a chance to use Spotify. So I, I, I'm grumpy years later about Spotify. And that's one thing. So what is it like for you? Like, how is that not a total buzzkill to not be an American. Like in every other way, it's probably great. But in this particular way, it seems like it'd be terrible. How do you deal with that? It starts off by being a meme. Like US only is a is a meme mm. amongst people mm-hmm. that aren't in the US. It's like, oh yeah, of course it's US only. Like why wouldn't it be? Every other technology product is. Like of course it would be US only. Mm. Um and it's it is a it's a very frustrating experience sometimes because it's a lot of the time it either seems nonsensical or the reasons in which it's happening are super annoying. Like TV licensing stuff is just really frustrating. Like all I want to do at most times is just, I want to give a company some money and get the content. So Brooklyn nine, nine is one of is my key example right now. Brooklyn nine, nine is a show that I love very dearly. Uh, but it is only the, the most recent season, like think season six the first episode aired on a British TV channel last Thursday. So, like, the season's, like, halfway done in the US, uh, but we've just started getting it. And it's on a TV channel that is free to air but has ads. I just want to be able to buy the TV season and have the content. Like, that's what I want to be able to do. So, like, it's late, and it's also in a way, like, watching it in a way that I don't particularly want to do. And I just feel like it's it it shouldn't be this difficult. Like, allow me to give you the money 
right? And now, like, so there's this whole thing coming now, which is like every company is going to have a streaming service, right? But what is the international availability of all of these things? Mm-hmm. We can't get HBO Now or HBO Go here because Sky have all that content wrapped up. Sky is like a basically the biggest cable company. It's just, it's it's for, for, just for all intents and purposes, think of them like a cable company. And they have all the HBO stuff kind of locked up with them. So we can't subscribe to anything directly. If we want to get that content, we have to get like a package from them, which you can do over the top. So like they have a service called Now TV, but you then still have to get that. And it's not everything. And it's not necessarily in the way that you would want. Like all of this stuff is just such a frustration to me. And this like bleeds in between US, UK, but also just general distribution stuff, you know? Like there's there, even if you're in the US, like all that sometimes what you want to do is just pay and buy the stuff on iTunes, but you can't. It's like locked into streaming service B over here that you need to pay for, which is more money than you would need to spend to get that thing. Um I just don't I know that the option, there is always an option to try and pick stuff off pick stuff. Pick stuff up <laughs> off the back of trucks, but I just don't really want to do that. Um, I would just much prefer to be able to just pay someone and get the content. Um, you can use VPN services sometimes, right? But that doesn't like Netflix has cracked down on that. Like they're, they're getting wise to that stuff now. So like if you it used to be for many years, you could just use a VPN to get American Netflix, but not anymore. They can detect it, and they're like, we can see you using a VPN. You can't do this. So it is mostly just a general thing of frustration for me. Like all this Apple stuff is like really annoying, partly because uh, it's stuff that I can't get. And now I, now I can't cover it. Like I can't talk about it um, mm. on my shows, which is really annoying. Mm. Um, but there is also like stuff that I genuinely want, like the Apple card, the credit card, that looks like a cool credit card. It would give me the measure of functionality and features that I would personally want out of a card, but I can't get it. You know, like I would like to be able to see what Apple News Plus is all about, but I can't get it. I would like to be able to subscribe to HBO and Apple News channel in Apple TV channels, but I bet I'm not going to be able to do that either. I honestly was thinking that there was going to be a US only period for the streaming service just because, right? Like just because they wanted to not have to roll it out everywhere at once. But it seems like what they've said, they're going to do it in like all the countries and the same for Apple Arcade, which I'm excited about. I'm like, I'm really pleased that they're doing that, but I wish that they were able to a company the size of Apple could do it. They could find banks in other countries and could just do it. But you know, I understand why they focus, but it's really annoying uh, to have to like, when you're not in the U S to have to, pay close attention to what you can and can't get. Like, it's worse Mm. in other countries. Did you know, in Ireland, right, this is a company that Apple has massive presence in, you cannot buy iTunes TV shows. Yeah, that is bananas to me. And you can't use Siri on the Apple TV. But you can use Siri other places. I think so, yeah. What? Isn't that wild? That's so weird. Like, why is that? That doesn't make any sense to me. And Apple has a huge presence there, don't they? Yeah, it's massive. It's like their home outside of the U.S. Right. That's so weird. Mm-hmm. That's so frustrating. You know, as you were talking, it got me thinking about an obvious answer to this question that I did not even consider, which is, you know, what is something that was U.K. or, or EU exclusive that I didn't have access to? Top Gear. Duh. I didn't even think right. about it. But Top Gear, you would you could watch it at a reasonably convenient time. I think it was like eight o'clock in the evening on a Sunday mm-hmm. evening. 
and you could watch it and you could stream it if I'm not mistaken using iPlayer is that right or yep. at least back in yep. uh, you know a couple of years ago um and meanwhile for a long time it was just straight up unavailable in the US then for a while it would be available on BBC America but they would change the music because they had only licensed the music for broadcast in the UK <laughs> which sounds silly but actually makes a really big difference because the music is so well done in Top Gear. Um, and so the music would be different. And then they would also throw in commercials, which was frustrating because Top Gear as it airs in the UK is just an hour or thereabouts straight with no commercials. Would they edit it down to fit into a one hour block? Yeah, I believe that's right. If memory serves, okay. they would edit a, a bunch of stuff out, which was really frustrating. And then eventually it got to the point that you could you could buy it on iTunes, which was great. But oftentimes it still wouldn't be available at like eight o'clock or nine o'clock on a Sunday night. It was just, it was very frustrating. And, and it seemed from my point of view as a consumer, like, yes, I understand that licensing is a thing and, and there's a lot more to this and meets the eye. But as a consumer, it's exactly what you said, Mike, like I would have given all the money to be able to just stream on iPlayer from America right off the bat. And just like you were saying, like, I'm sure there were ways I probably could have like, I don't know, used your login or found a UK VPN or done some like, you know, hopped on one foot and turning in a, in a, in, as you would say, anti-clockwise circle while patting my head. And maybe that would have worked, but I just, no, just take my money and let me watch Top Gear. That's all I want. Like, it shouldn't be that hard. And that was one thing, you know, or two, well, this and Spotify are two things. I, again, I can't fathom what it's like for you for all of these different things, but to turn this frown upside down, hopefully, are there some UK exclusives that you're really thankful for? So an example of this that I thought of is that when I was there uh, almost a year ago now, which seems like it was yesterday for your wedding, um, I could use Apple Pay effectively everywhere. And it was real annoying because it's gotten a lot better in the last year to two years here in America, but it's still by no means effectively everywhere. Like it's still a consideration when I go to pay for something. So I, I would assume that one of the things that works well for you is Apple Pay in general. Mm -hmm. You had mentioned Apple Pay Cash not being a thing earlier, which is the kind of person-to-person -person payment system. But are there other things, and it, it doesn't necessarily have to be Apple-related, but are there other things that are that are UK or, or EU-specific that that you're really thankful for? Please don't. Don't, sorry. don't no, EU I'm not, me I, right I'm now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't mean that. I wish I could tell you I was trolling you, but well, I guess I was, but not on purpose. Sorry. Quick aside. It's time for an aside. Uh, we are recording, as Casey said on Tuesday, and like basically our entire government is imploding right now trying to work out what we're doing about Brexit. Neat. But I kind of just wanted to mention the fact that I am 100% completely just enraptured by the news the brexit stuff like i can't stop thinking about it i can't stop going on web pages about it like it's changing on a daily basis i have absolutely no faith in anybody in my country to be able to do anything about it like it's it's a real mess over here all right so moving on from that um i couldn't think of like particular services because honestly i, I you know like you mentioned we have like the tv channels like iPlayer, which is the BBC one, and then we have ITV and Channel 4. They're like the, the, the big kind of like terrestrial television uh, ad-supported networks that everybody kind of just gets for free. Here, yeah, they're like the main ones. Uh, they have streaming services, which are free. They're just ad-supported and just everybody can access them. And they're fine. They're, they're fine. Uh, and, and that sort of stuff's just been kind of going along for a while. But one of the things that I was thinking of um, was a lot of the innovation around financial products here so 
one of the things about the Apple Card, which is really interesting to a lot of people, is like the money management features, right? So like mm-hmm. being able to categorize your spending in an application, being able to like translate the jargon of a tra- of a statement and show you who it actually was. All of this stuff has been around here for a few years with some small banks. Um, they're, they're, the term that they're given is called challenger banks. And it basically is like a startup company which is challenging the existing ways that banking's been done. And mm. um, this this is because of a bunch of different legislation that has occurred over the last few years here about what it takes to become a bank, what you need to become a bank, and also data. So like one of the things that came in around GDPR was the ability for people to move their data and have their data analyzed. So like for example, I bank with two different banks, but it is possible for me to see all of my banks in each bank's app like all of my bank accounts in each bank's app. Oh, really? Can you imagine bank A and bank B. I can log into my internet banking in the app of bank B for bank A and see it all together. Now, it's what? not implemented perfectly. Yeah, it's super weird. It's 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 not implemented perfectly, but it's getting there. Um, like there's still some stuff about like real authentication and working that out. Like you have to log in like every month in some of them. And, and what this also means though is that there are a bunch of companies that have sprung up where you can log in with your banking information and it can do a bunch of analysis about financial habits and it can recommend savings products and all that kind of stuff to you. Uh, and But also, there are, because of the, a lot of the push around technology, there are a bunch of companies here. There's like one called Monzo, which is like the, the oh, kind of, yeah, is very popular with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a bunch of them uh, that are popping up, but like Monzo has been kind of one of the leaders for a while, but I think one's called Starling Bank, which is a more uh, a new one. And these are like very app-focused companies and, and all that kind of stuff. So this is a thing that occurs in the UK and in Europe, which America is not even anywhere near to having because a lot of this, I think a lot of the legislation around banking is a lot more friendly to the banks in America. Yeah. Um, so th- this is like a bunch of stuff that we get to have because of our friends over in the European Union, in some instances, <laughs> being able to set rules that make a lot of sense for consumers. And isn't it amazing how the European Union can help us? Isn't that just an amazing thing? Imagine if we only would have known that that was a possibility. Um, so we are able to get a bunch of stuff. And I've used some of these banks and I've been a little bit more, I mean, I have accounts with some of them and I've signed up with some of them. But currently, I'm a little bit more traditional with the banks that I use, right? Like I'm using kind of more like traditional banks, but the challenger banks have kind of pushed them to be a little bit more technology focused, which is really cool. So that's one of the kind of big things that I think that we have here that America doesn't have, but it's not something that you would know to miss where like I have to watch all of the technology companies announce this stuff. And it's also (laughs) similar for like, you know, some stuff around like video games and movies, it's not too bad, but typically the release dates change. Disney is really bad for this. So a lot, Disney animated movies and Pixar movies, they premiere in the UK months, literally months really? after the US. Yeah, it's very strange. That seems so wrong to me. Mm-hmm. But... One of the only ways that we get the... Um, the movies at the same time, especially Disney movies, is because a lot of the live action movies, they're partly shot here because the UK government gives great tax breaks. So like all the Star Wars mm. movies, all the Marvel movies, there's a lot of shooting here. But that means they premiere here. So we get it gotcha. earlier 
mm-hmm. or like just slight or like around the same time as everybody else. But a lot of the animated movies, that is not the case. It's super weird, and I don't know why they do it that way. So, like, let me see if I can find an example for you. Yeah, so The Incredibles 2, that came out on the 5th of June uh, in America. And then in the UK, it came out on the 13th of July. That's a full month and change. Yeah. Yeah. Why? I don't know. That's so bananas. Isn't that wild? That is really weird. They do this a lot with the animated movies. They will take they they will take like at least a month or more to, to before they arrive, which takes the wind out of the sails for me a little bit because I feel like the hype amongst my friends about a certain movie has already died down, and then it's kind of like I can't watch it and I forget about it. Yep. Um. So yeah, it's, it's like a super weird thing that happens sometimes, and it doesn't really seem like there's any good reason for it. So are there U.S. services that like did launch there simultaneously or came over like really quickly? So for example, like Netflix, did Netflix take a long time or or was that pretty much day one? I don't know, actually, because the DVD service wasn't very popular here, but it existed. The DVD service didn't launch at the same time. And there was a DVD service called Love Film here, which got bought by Amazon. Um, Amazon Prime came from Love Film. So Amazon Prime Video. Yeah, because Love Film pivoted to be a digital platform like Netflix and then Amazon bought them and turned that into Amazon Prime Video. Gotcha. Um, so that that's the underpinnings of that is my understanding. Uh, but the D, I, I believe the video streaming service was very early on. There are a lot of services that pop up but then there's like other ones that don't. So like, um, here's like a funny one. I can't log in to the Google Podcasts uh, management panel for Relay FM because, because it's US only. Hey. Isn't that hilarious? It's like I can't log into it. That's so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. There's just weird stuff like this happens to me all the time. Oh now, like with GDPR, so like the LA Times, I just can't go to their website. Ah, uh, right, because if they allow you to, then they have to comply with like all the different things and yeah. they don't want to do that. And they just decided not to bo- oh, it's changed now. That must be in the last few weeks. The LA Times will now let me go to their website. But there are still some other newspapers, some American newspapers, like mm-hmm, big ones. Mm-hmm. I don't remember who they are now. Maybe it wasn't the LA Times, maybe it was somebody else and I'm, I'm slandering the LA yeah, yeah. Times. But there is there is like this happens every now and then. I'll see a link and I'll click it and it's like, oh, well, can't go to that, I suppose. Very strange. <laughs> I that is tough. I I don't know. I I feel for you. I really do because it, mm-hmm. it it's so unusual for me that it drives me crazy when it does happen. Um, and and maybe if I were more used to it, it wouldn't be so darn infuriating every single time. But man, does it does it frustrate me? And and it's funny too because a lot of these like these consumer protection things that 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 I I think it was mostly the EU brought around. I'm sorry. Um, that enables stuff like these, you know, uh, these banks that you were talking about, I end up oftentimes getting wind of them because I have enough friends like you in the UK. So I remember when we were all in Austin for your bachelor party, the UK contingent was talking about, um, what was the name of the, the competitor bank? Like some with an M, I think Mon, Mon, Monzo. Monzo and then Revolut, I think was another one, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And they were just singing the praises of these banks because here they were in America. And I guess these banks like didn't charge foreign transaction fees or something along those lines. I'm probably getting the details wrong. Yep. No, you're true. Yeah. And so then meanwhile, I go to the UK and when I spend any money, I'm getting dinged by my bank's foreign transaction fees, which were significant enough to be frustrating, particularly when you're buying expensive plane tickets from British Airways, which I think they 
tried to charge me in dollars, but somehow there was still a foreign transaction fee. I don't know how that happened. But anyways, um, that stuff adds up. And I remember the, the UK folks being really enthusiastic about these, these banks like Monzo or whatever it is and Revolut or whatever it is. And, and, and I'm, I'm definitely jealous of that stuff. That's right. Yeah. Another news. Why don't you, uh, why don't we cheer each other up and tell me about something that's awesome? This is something that's available to everyone. It's Linode. With Linode, you can instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud and have everything up and running in just seconds of your choice of Linux distro, resources, and node location. It doesn't matter if you're working on your first server or deploying a complex system, Linode are the folk to go to. They offer the fastest hardware and network with outstanding customer support if you ever need any help. It's super easy to launch a Linode cloud server and their block storage is now available in Newark, Fremont, Dallas, Atlanta, Frankfurt, London, and Singapore, and soon coming to Tokyo as well. Version four of Linode's RESTful API is out of beta and it includes an officially supported Python CLI as well. And right now, Linode are hiring. If you want to learn more and check out what they're looking for, go to linode.com slash careers. Linode has pricing options available to suit everyone for their virtual servers. Their plans start at just one gigabyte of RAM for $5 a month, and they offer high memory plans starting with 16 gigabytes of RAM as well. And Linode has a special offer for you. As a listener of this show, you can go to linode.com slash analog and use the promo code analog2019 to get $20 towards any Linode plan. On the one gigabyte of RAM plan, that is four free months and over seven day money back guarantee you have nothing to lose so give them a try today that's linode.com l-i-n-o-d-e.com slash analog and promo code analog 2019 analog 2019 to learn more sign up and make the most of that $20 credit our thanks to Linode for their continued support of this show and Relay FM so I think we talked about this recently, but I wanted to kind of uh, get a, a reading of what your temperature was on this sort of thing in, in light of this event that happened as we record yesterday. So given that this event was, this Apple event was mostly about video and stuff like that, how do you consume media? And it doesn't necessarily mean video only, but how do you consume media these days? And you know, what's, what are you watching these days? When are you watching it? How are you watching it? And so I'll, I'll kick us off by saying, as I've talked about ad nauseum, I use Plex for pretty much everything. Um, Anything that if I'm ever to buy a movie, I typically buy a Blu-ray and then rip it and put it in Plex because it is so much more convenient for me to have everything there uh, than it is to actually put in a disc. I do occasionally use Netflix. Um, Aaron and I just finished rewatching all of Scrubs, which I highly recommend. I do think it keeps up. It's visually awful to look at because it's all standard def or almost all of it is standard def. But uh, I think the jokes. How are the final couple of seasons? Oh, those don't exist. The, those don't okay. exist. I stopped okay. um, seven, eight, something like that. Wherever it was, uh, well, I don't want to give anything away, but wherever it was that they thought the show was going to end and then it ended up that they did a couple more seasons, we just stopped where the original ending happened, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. But I definitely re- recommend it if you've never watched it or even if you have watched it. Um, I, I love that show. It's probably my favorite comedy ever. Um, and we just, like I said, we just finished rewatching that. We did that via Plex. We're now, it's funny, bring this up earlier. We are starting Brooklyn nine, nine and are watching it for the very first time. We are almost all the way through the first season and are so far enjoying it quite a lot. Um, that is also happening via Plex. Uh, we pretty rarely go out to the movies. Where is this stuff coming from? Uh, some of it I have, some of it is from friends and their Plex accounts. All right, cool. I'm not trying to knock on you no, here. No, like, not, at all. not at all. <laughs> no, some of it, some of it I got, some of it I don't. 
Um, and then with movies, we don't watch movies very often at most once every couple of weeks, I'd say, but typically we're in the midst of binging some TV show and we just watch that. Uh, we almost never go to the theaters, uh, in no small part because there's no Alamo draft house near us, which bums me out. I made the mistake of going to an Alamo draft house for the first time with Mike when we were in Texas. What a great layout setup that is. It's incredible. It's, it's movie going where you're treated like a human being. And that is incredible. These are the cinemas where they bring you food, like actual food and drinks. And during the movie, like you can make little orders and people uh, kind of like the seating set up in a way that they can kind of like crouch down and like pick up these little order slips and stuff. It's a really nice experience. And everything's nice and comfortable. Oh, totally. And it's not terribly cheap, but if you're going to go to a movie, this is the way I would want to do it. And all the movie theaters by us are standard movie theaters that, you know, they have stadium seating, which was a a big innovation, you know, 15 years ago, but now is not particularly remarkable. And, uh, and so, yeah, so we almost never go out to movies. Don't watch that many movies. Um, So in summary for us, it's basically Plex, a a little bit that we DVR. We do still have cable. Uh, We do DVR a few things. Uh, but it's mostly Plex and a little bit of Netflix mixed in. How do you watch stuff? Still, I think probably the most amount of video that I personally consume is still YouTube. Hmm. Like that, that's, that is kind of just where I've been for a while. Like I follow a lot of YouTubers and I consume many hours a week, many, many, many hours a week, sometimes multiple hours a day. Like, and I'll watch stuff like in the morning, which when I'm kind of eating lunch and typically I'll watch a bunch of videos before I go to bed. So this is like spanning all of my different interests, right? From like stationary to games to kind of technology, wrestling, all that kind of stuff. This is like, like, like there are podcasts for everybody. Of course, podcasts are a huge uh, source of entertainment for me too. Um, YouTube is a similar situation. Like no matter what you like, Mm-hmm. You can find people that make stuff about the stuff that you like, right? Like, it, sure. so I really love it for that. When it comes to watching stuff together, uh, me and Adina use the Apple TV a lot. Like that yeah. is our mm-hmm. thing. You know, we we do watch stuff on my iPad uh, at the dinner table, like if we're eating and we want to watch a show. And we usually like we have a bunch of different shows going at the same time. The Office is our when we're eating show right now. We're kind of going through the office for maybe the second or third time. Uh, kind of like you watch a couple of episodes of that show and it goes all the way through. Make it your next big show after Scrubs. You mean after Brooklyn Nine Nine? Because we just finished Scrubs, so. Oh, you don't you you do one at a time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, maybe after Brooklyn Nine Nine, you could maybe dive into the office. It's so good, man. I'm talking about the U.S. office. I'm not a big fan of the U.K. office. Really? Come at me. Huh. Don't like Ricky Gervais. Never liked him. Oh, interesting. Okay, uh, he annoys me. He just, like, and I know his character is supposed to be annoying, but like, it's it's an annoyance that I can't cope with. Mm. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're doing that. I'm big into cooking related content right now, and I'm not really. It, I guess like a, that's just like a big thing for me at the moment. We just watched a show called The Final Table, which I really liked. It was just like a, a competition show on Netflix. Um, yeah, I'm enjoying a lot of like cooking related reality or like. In, instructional stuff i've always kind of had a like affinity for it i've always enjoyed jamie oliver's stuff in the uk and i've watched it just for entertainment purposes and that's like a similar thing for me now and i'm i think i'm so like with the apple tv we're mostly watching stuff on netflix or prime um and itunes as well so like the office watched it on itunes i watch it using the tv app on the ipad which is such a bad experience the tv app on the ipad is so so 
So bad. So bad. Well, it's new now, isn't it? In May, it will be. Oh, it's May. Okay, okay, never mind. And I'm still not sure that a lot of the things that I have problems with will be fixed, like the way that they display seasons of shows. Like, the way I have to try and pick an episode of The Office is maddening. Like, if I... So one thing that it does on the Watch Now screen, like the next up screen, I have bought all this stuff on iTunes. I watch it all on iTunes. But it re- every now and then, just like randomly, will recommend that I open it on Amazon Prime instead. So that's not where I'm watching the show. I don't understand. And it doesn't let me choose, right? So then if I go in to look at the... You know when you can go into like what I own, right? So mm-hmm. you can click into the content that, the content that you own. Once you finally tap through the terrible navigation to get to the stuff that you've bought before that wasn't just recently added, if I click into the office through that way, what it does is it lists every episode, right? By number order, not by season order. So Ugh. season, so episode one, season one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Episode oh, two, of, God, and this no. is in a list which is like three deep that you have to scroll to the right to get to. If I want to find the actual episode that I want, I actually have to search in the global search for The Office, where it will then bring me to a page where I can choose each season. But that's with the intent that I'm buying it, not in the intent that I own it. But then when I click it, it will then open the uh, the, the way that I want to watch it. So it is so bad. Like it, It's almost as if... This app was designed by somebody who's never watched a TV show before. <laughs> oh, God, that's terrible. I'll let alone that the play controls are tiny in at the bottom. When everyone else has worked out that you want big play controls right in the middle. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. So, but yes, we use the TV app and we're mostly using the Apple TV. I, I really do actually like most of the stuff in the Apple TV, but Same. I feel like that the user interface could do with some work so I'm excited for the new TV app but I do think one of the big problems is the the swipey remote right like and that is a consistent issue with like trying to navigate through it's just not as it is not as uh, easy to use as just clicking a button like it's not as reliable like if you want to go one to the right it's way easier when you can just click a button than instead of like oh swipe 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 Yep, I agree. I I don't think the remote is as bad as everyone else seems to, but I will absolutely agree with you that it doesn't need to be the way it is. And certainly, mm-hmm. just the other day, it might have been yesterday, Aaron was trying to like fast forward or rewind something, and it just she couldn't get it to work with the Apple TV remote. And she sees this remote a million times. So it was just something about the particular way she was doing it on that particular moment was not communicating properly to the Apple TV, and she was getting absolutely infuriated by it. And that shouldn't have to be the case, right? Like, th- we, this is a solved problem that we... Does that Apple decided to change for the sake of changing it, I guess? I don't know. It's, it, I'm getting more and more frustrated with time. As, almost as frustrated as everyone else has been since day one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well. So, yeah, that's kind of where I am media-wise right now, I think. Fair enough. All right. Anything else that's awesome you want to tell me about? Yeah, let's talk about Molecule, and then we can do uh, some related fills questions. Uh, we all know that home can be the best place to be. And since you spend so much time there, you want your home to be comfortable, welcoming, 
and maybe even full of some smart gadgets as well. If you live in an urban area, the chances are that your air quality can be pretty bad, and that can affect all kinds of things like allergies and the quality of your sleep. This is something that I've been thinking a lot about recently, kind of just like general air quality. I don't really know why, but like it's just been on my mind. And Molecule is an air purifier, the only air purifier that can destroy pollutants. That includes nasty pollutants like bacteria, viruses, and allergies. Um, you know, like bad air quality can affect all kinds of things. It can not only affect your allergies, but also the quality of your sleep as well. A molecule have introduced a breakthrough science that is finally capable of destroying air pollutants at a molecular level, hence the name. And it has a clean design of high quality experience built right in. Molecules technology has been effective and verified by science. Most importantly, it's been tested by real people. Molecule has already helped allergy and asthma sufferers around the country of America better cope with their conditions and reduce their symptoms. One customer even said that they were able to breathe through their nose for the first time in 15 years, which sounds pretty amazing. If Molecule sounds like it's going to help you out, you can get $75 off your first order when you go to Molecule.com. That is M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com. And at checkout, enter the promo code ANALOG. Go check it out. And if it seems like it's right for you, we can give you $75 off your first order by using the promo code ANALOG at Molecule.com. And thanks to Molecule for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, so let's do some relay or feels to round everything out. Mm-hmm. All right, so Vitaly writes, uh, with regard to open sourcing uh, Poditor, do you think it's worth having your in, having it in your GitHub profile in order to build my profile in case you go back a, to a day job or boost my credibility if I try lecturing or something like that? You know, I know you're not a new developer, but it, does it still apply? Uh, yeah, I thought about it, but the thing with Poditor is that I wrote it not as a hack, but as something kind of quick and dirty in order to fix a problem. Is it still going, by the way? Are you still working on it? I don't see it anymore. Well, no, I'm not still working on it because it's done exactly the amount. It, it, it is capable of doing exactly the amount I need it to do, and then I stopped touching it. And so um, I, I'm going to use it to edit this very show in sometime in the next couple of days. But I haven't added any new features, and I don't plan to add any new features at this point. So, um, yeah, I, it, it just isn't production ready code like it there's some shortcuts in there that i'm not that are okay but i'm not terribly proud of and and i guess one way i could approach this is to document the fact that oh you know this should be fixed and that that isn't right and oh i should do this that way and i'm also i i think underselling it a bit like it's pretty decent it's it's it, i'm not i'm not embarrassed by it but i'm not it's not something i'm looking to showcase either does that make sense mhm well, and also as well, you you know, we've spoken about it. You've had another idea at the same time. So, like, the requirement to try and make this the thing is even less so than it was before. Right. Exactly right. All right. Sydney writes, my partner and I have been dating for about seven months, and I'll be away from her for five and a half months during the summer and while abroad. How do I deal with missing her while I'm traveling? Ooh. I guess I'd just be happy the FaceTime's a thing. <laughs> I mean, um, I, I don't know. I, I'm never really away from Aaron for more than about a week at a time. And that happens that, that, very rarely. That pair of lucky underwear would certainly get worn out if you were away for that amount of time, right? <laughs> well, remember that's only on the return trip. So uh, I only need it <laughs> once, but it would be, it would, it would collect cobwebs as I was waiting to wear it. Um, mm -hmm. Now I don't, I don't know what to say about this, to be honest. And I think Mike is probably better equipped to talk about this because you're away from Adina, not only more often, but for longer stretches a lot of times. But for me, I just try to make sure that I'm, 
that I'm sending texts, you know, whenever I have the, the moment to do so, that I'm FaceTiming whenever I have the opportunity to do so. And I also like making sure that I have a handful of really lovely pictures somewhere on my phone that I can flip through if I'm feeling like I'm missing her or the kids. So that, that's the best I've got, which I know is not terribly helpful. Mike, do you have something more useful? I don't have, I think, specific advice that can help with such a long span of time. I mean, I'm assuming that this is going to be a period of time where you're going to be apart for a long time without seeing each other. Like this this five and a half months feels like a thing that is not going to be, oh, we'll see each other every month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, and also it's going to be difficult. Like, you know, you've been together for seven months and then you're going to be apart for five months. Like, that's wild. Like, that's a big, that's a big thing to do. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think that one of the things that you need to do beforehand is like sit down and understand like what do each of you need during this period of time? How much, con how much contact is the right amount of contact for you both? Because it sounds like you're both going to be busy uh, as well, especially if you're traveling. Like, understand the needs of each other. Like, if a FaceTime call every day is what's needed, well, then you're going to have to work out a way together to make that work, especially with any time zone changes. Uh, and then kind of like move on from there, like establish the level of contact that seems right for you both and go for it. You're going to miss each other, but that's, that's part of life. And these types of situations can, can really strengthen a relationship. Like if you're able to be a part in this way and still want to, like see each other and still want everything to work out when you're when everything's said and done like that's a strong foundation right there so i don't know if that's useful advice but that's what i got <laughs> aaron writes you've both spoken about time tracking lately or at least at the time in which this question was written i'm always talking about it casey yeah, that's true do you think side projects are worth tracking i build games on the side and i keep my tasks in a trello board but i don't estimate or track my time is that something i should start uh, yes. I, yeah, I don't, I don't see that time tracking has really made a big difference in my life. Um, and I don't, I'm not interested in going into the why moron. perhaps, uh, I don't, I'm not interested in having that debate right now, but, uh, I will, I will leave, I will leave Mike to answer this question because I think Mike has, uh, more robust feelings about this. Strong opinions. You're not a moron. Time tracking doesn't need to work for everyone and it won't work for everyone. However, the, 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 the question being, is it a good idea to track my time if it's just side projects? The, that is exactly what you should be tracking. Like side projects are really important for you to understand a couple of things. Like you think it's a side project, but how much of your time is it actually taken up? And then at that point, what decisions do you need to start making about the way you're spending your time and the, about the way that you value this project, right? Like, these are the decisions that you're going to need. Sometimes people don't want to do it because it's going to maybe show them some harsh truths, but I think that these are important to understand. I think you should 100% be, be, be time-tracking any side projects. I think it's really important, and you'll be doing yourself a, a disservice if it's not something you're keeping a better, a better track on. You really should be understanding what is going into this project um, because then it might help you understand a little bit more about what you want those results to be. You know, I think even though time tracking wasn't for me, I, I think I agree with you that uh, it, it certainly can't hurt to try it. And if you decide it's not for you, that's okay. Uh, despite what Mike says, but <laughs> it's, uh, I, I think it is worth trying. Uh, Vitaly writes, were you always a quote unquote kid person even before having your own and how did having kids change your relationships or interactions with children, even other people's, um, having kids 
for me anyway, I was going to make the, this a global statement, but I don't know that it is. But for me anyway, having kids made it much easier to understand why kids are the way they are because you see more of them. And up until we had kids, I wasn't in a position where I saw other people's children that terribly frequently, you know, maybe once a month at most. And so now that I have these children that are in my face all the time, it makes it easier to understand why they do the things they do, both the good ones and the bad ones, and to forgive or let it roll off your back the things that are frustrating or annoying. Um, was I a kid person before? Eh, to some degree. I liked kids in small doses um, and, the, and because I felt like I ran out of like my, my repertoire for entertaining them, I would run through very quickly. And so after that, it was kind of like... Okay, now what? Um, and I feel like I've gotten better about that. Uh, so I, I do enjoy spending time with kids, even others. Um, and again, I, I feel like I understand how kids work a lot better now, now that I'm seeing them in my day to day. Now that you have kids, do you get, how do you feel when there's like a child crying on a plane? Give me some honesty. I want honesty. This is important. So it depends on what mood I'm in. Okay, cool. So it can still bother you then. Uh, it bother it. It can, although it's much less likely. It's right. More, okay. It's more about do I am I am I am I kind of smugly enthusiastic that it's not my kid? Like, <laughs> not my problem now, you know? Or <laughs> it's like a personal victory. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It, it, whether or not my kids are with me, you know, just knowing that it wasn't my kid being the screamer on the plane is is satisfying. Um, but then if I'm in a better mood and feeling less selfish sometimes that stresses me out a little in the sense of like, oh God, I know what they're going through. And even more so, if I'm in a really good mood and feel like I want to help, how can I assist this process? Because that's, I feel like that's the right thing to do, but depending on the parent and the kid, that can be very off-putting, you know? So as an example, like let's say I have M&Ms in my bag and I'm probably not going to eat them. And I just bought them, you know, yesterday. I could offer those M&Ms to this crying kid, but what if, they've never had M&Ms before. What if the parents are very specific about when they give the kid M&Ms? What if they're allergic to the M&Ms? You know, so there's like, it, it, it becomes complicated quickly because you want to be able to help. Or like even another example is like, there's been many times I've seen crying kids in airports or something. And I want to be like, look, do you want, do you want me to just hold this kid for a few minutes? So you can have a break, which I, I know that I mean that in a genuine way. Like, I'm not going to run away with the kid. I'm not trying to do anything wrong or creepy. I just want to give this poor parent a break. But if I was on the receiving end of that question, I'd be like, whoa, creeper, back off. I got this. You know what I mean? And so that mm -hmm. that can be a little bit tough. But generally speaking, it normally amounts to, haha, not my problem. Yeah, see, because I, I, am, I am becoming more of a kid person as my... I think my biological alarm clock went off a while ago. And now, like, <laughs> I just desperately want children. Um, so, like, you know, I'm I find myself being drawn like to kids in my family more. Like, I want to spend more time with them than I did before. I want to help out more, right? You know, like I feel like I have more mm -hmm. of like a paternal instincts coming out now mm -hmm. than I have in the past. But I still do get annoyed when I'm like getting on a plane and there's like seven screaming children on the plane and I just don't want to deal with it. And I just want, I was wondering if like that changes as you are more used to get, which is something I've heard a lot from people that are like, okay, it's easier because you, you get it now. Like, you mm -hmm. know, the difficulty, you know, it's nobody's fault. You know, there's nothing that anybody can do, even if they want to. 
Um, but yeah, I, I was just wondering if that was the case for you. Yeah, I think so. But this also has an evil step cousin, if you will, in that if you have, if you're around a kid where the parenting style is oftentimes very different than yours and the kid is a little turd, then it's hard if you're me not to be really judgy because I'm not a perfect parent. I'm nowhere near a perfect parent. Mm. I could rattle off a thousand and six different things that I know I don't do right as a parent. But I like to think my kids are by and large relatively well-behaved and relatively well-adjusted. And when you see the kid that like doesn't get their way and immediately is in full-on tantrum mode, especially if you see this more than once, you know, because every if Declan does that from time to time. Michaela does that a lot because she's a baby. Well, she's mostly a baby. Um, but, you know, when you see like the five-year-old that goes into full-on tantrum the moment that they don't get their way, it's hard not to be like, bro. I can tell you why the kid is doing that. It's because the moment they started screaming, you scooped them up and coddled them and gave them what it gave them whatever they wanted. You know what I mean? And so, so it's on the one side, it's I understand it, but on the other side, I can I can often get judgy about it, which is probably a personal failing of my own. But <laughs> that's the way it is. Moving on, Jess asks, "Hey, Mike, you mentioned celebrating your dating anniversary with Adina. Do you think that will continue past this first year being married, or will you, or will you celebrate only the wedding one?" And Casey, do you and Aaron still celebrate your dating anniversary? I we we did we did still celebrate, especially because our last one that we celebrated was five years, so it was like this feels like a big thing. I think eventually, for us, I would assume that the focus turns to our wedding anniversary as opposed to dating anniversary. Like I bet we still kind of like mark that it happened, but not put so much focus on it. I think that's what I would expect anyway. Yeah. For Aaron and I, we still very much recognize our dating anniversary. Uh, I think it helps because it's about six months before wedding anniversary. So it's, you know, on the opposite end of the year, if you will. Um, but we recognize both and we try to go out to dinner um, on, for our dating anniversary, which sounds unremarkable perhaps if you don't have kids but us just us going out to dinner just Aaron and me is a very rare and, and celebratory thing you know so uh we try to make the time to uh to make that happen and you know we've married it's going to be 12 years in a few months and so we still I mean just this past uh, January when our dating anniversary was we recognized it and I think we always will I do think our wedding anniversary becomes more and more and more important with each passing year but I still personally, and I think Aaron feels the same way, I still feel really strongly that our dating anniversary is important. And, you know, there wouldn't have been a wedding anniversary without the dating anniversary. So we we definitely recognize both. And I, I suspect you and Adina will probably do the same, even if, like you said. Right. But like, do you, what do you, what, what do you, do you weight them the same and what, how you celebrate? Like, do you go out for no. a big meal for both of them? Do you do gifts? That's kind of what I'm thinking yeah. about. And I think to your point, yes, that we do weight the wedding one more. And like when when we did our most recent uh, anniversary related trip, that was for our ten year wedding anniversary, not our ten year dating anniversary. So in that sense, yeah, you're absolutely right. But I, I think I, I don't know if a chip on my shoulder is the right way to phrase this, but I I still personally like leaving Aaron out of this entirely. I personally feel like the the dating anniversary is a pretty big deal, not as much as a wedding, but it's still a pretty big deal. And I don't want to lose sight of it. And and I think that most married people that I know 
don't care about their dating anniversary. And I, I personally, I just think that's kind of unfortunate because I think both are worth recognizing. And, and again, maybe it's the particular circumstance with me because it is, you know, six months offset or thereabouts. And so that makes it nice to have like, you know, twice a year on, you know, six months apart, have a, have a moment where I can make sure I'm really appreciating Erin for all the wonderful things that she is and does for, for the family. But I don't know. I, I don't want to lose sight of it. And even if the wedding anniversary is more important, you know, even to me, I still view the dating anniversary as pretty darn important. 